We've moved into the study of the book of Acts. This is now our third week in the study. And really, it is a study of the formation of or the early movement of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what the book of Acts is. It is the history of the church, the formation of the church, the, the early steps, the early movement of the church of Jesus Christ. Well, as we look at the star of the church, as I was thinking about this these few weeks, it brings me to a question this morning. And that, that question is this. How do we see the church today? How do we see the church today? In 2019, this morning, how do we see the church? Now, that is a, a huge question. Really, that is a very telling question. Not only as the culture, not only as the church, but, but you, us, we, we as individuals, how do you see the church? Because how you see the church most likely is going to decide how, number one, you value the church and how, number two, you operate in the church. And very honestly this morning, how you see the church will decide your commitment to the church. I'll be very honest with you today. Today, I believe the church does not have a very positive light uh, in the world today, in our culture today, maybe even in the church today. Today I watch and I listen. Uh, the church is sometimes seen as a duty or as a burden. Or especially in our day, I see the church is sometimes viewed as an add-on, something else to do. We've got this and we've got soccer and we've got this and we've got these practices and it's something else to keep up with. It's an add-on. Or I see today the church is viewed as non-essential. It's really not necessary and it's not vital to your walk with Jesus Christ. It's not vital to your Christian walk and it's really extra. And if you can participate in the church, that's okay. And if you can't, that's going to be fine as well. And it's really viewed as a non-essential thing. We hear that all the time. Or especially today we see the church is viewed as maybe a, a commodity something that we would consume, something that would benefit you. And so you, you see the church and you see what does it have for me and what does it have for my family and for my kids and you evaluate it like something that you would consume and you see what it has for you. And if it doesn't match your needs, you turn your nose up at the church. We treat the church sometimes like a commodity. Folks, I honestly believe the church is at its lowest point perception-wise by its members, and I'm talking about in our, in our Western world today, as perhaps any time in history. I believe we as the members of the church, we have a, a, a very poor view of the church, and I believe more than any time in history. Well, I'll just tell you, my, my prayer is that as we move through the book of Acts, that we would get excited about the church. Did you know that's okay? My, my prayer is we look at these, these verses, we look at the story of the church unfolding, that we would actually become pumped up about the church. So we might be on fire about the church. Now, some of you are already looking at me like, really? The church? 
Yes, listen, my prayer is that we would begin to see the church for what the church actually is, that we would see that the church is the plan of God, that we would see the church exists for the purpose of an almighty God, that we would see the church is empowered by God, and that the reason for it all is that we would exalt Jesus. And my prayer is that we would be excited about the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, we should be. Listen, how could we not be excited about his church? That is my prayer. That's been my prayer, and that's going to be my prayer throughout this study, that seeing his church, we will be excited about the church. Well, today, we're in the second chapter. Today, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13, the first 13 verses. And our sermon today is entitled, One of These is not like the others. One of these is not like the others. Acts chapter 2, I almost said Luke, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, and God's Word says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested each on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving utterance, giving them utterance. Now, There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Lamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya, around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, I'm thankful for a Savior. I'm thankful for redemption through the work of Jesus. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of my sin. Lord, I'm thankful for the church. And Lord, I pray as we begin to study that that our eyes might be opened even wider, that our ears would, would open, that our hearts would be pierced. And my, my, my prayer, Lord, is that we would be excited about the church. We would be enthused about the church, not as something to consume, but as a people, Lord, with a mission. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today in your word, through your word. I know your word is living and active, and I know it is for this hour, for this church, And I pray that you would speak through it. Lord, I pray we'd be changed. I pray that you'd be known. I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray for anyone in this room this day that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that this 
Lord, might be the day of their salvation. I praise you. I worship you. I thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is the difference in a church and a great civic organization? And I mean the best civic organization. You know some of those. What is the difference in a church and a tremendous, a great civic organization? What is the difference in a church and the best social club, the most popular social club, there's, there's fellowships there and your friends are there and there's, there's good events there and it's encouraging to be there. What is the difference in a church and a great social organization? What is the difference in a church and the greatest charity? And I'm not talking about one of these, these fake charities, but I mean a great Charity that does wonderful work. They, they feed the poor. They take care of kids. Maybe they finance a hospital somewhere. What is the difference in the church and the greatest, most wonderful charity? What is the difference in the church and the latest, greatest Bible study held at a Coliseum somewhere with a, with a great worship band and with a great speaker, and the whole thing is so exciting, $39 a person or, or maybe $99 a person, and it's going to be in 2,000 locations simulcast. What is the difference in the latest, greatest Bible study at the Coliseum and the church? What is the difference? Listen very carefully today. The difference is the indwelling and the empowerment of God himself. The difference in the church is the truth that the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to be very clear of this. There is nothing else in our world like a true church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in our world, no organization like the church of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Well, today we're going to see the instant, we're going to see the event that God empowered his church. Now, I think about that this week. That's an awesome thing. The instant when the church was empowered by God himself. We're going to see the event, the actual historical event where the church is empowered. We're going to see today that God fills his people and he empowers the church. What an awesome thing that is. And so let's go to our verses this morning, beginning in verse 1, the first verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go with the verses. It says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, again, very quickly, we see the church forms in unity. In chapter 1, it says that they had the same mind. Well, now in chapter 2, having the same mind... They are in one place, and they are all together. So we see the church forms in unity. Then the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had come. Now, see this day, the day of Pentecost. Understand, this will be a watershed day. On this day, it'll be a 
turning point day. Understand, it'll be a paradigm-altering day. Nothing will ever be the same again after this day. This day of Pentecost is a turning point day. You see, in chapter 1, before this day, the church is expecting the promised Holy Spirit to come. But in chapter 2, on this day, he comes. In chapter 1, Jesus ascends. In chapter 2, on this day, the Holy Spirit descends. In chapter 1, the church waits. In chapter 2, the church starts to move. In chapter 1, the church listens and obeys. In chapter 2, the church obeys and now begins to speak. In chapter 1, the church is enlisted. In chapter 2, the church is empowered. And it all starts with this day, a huge day. The day of Pentecost. Now see this. Pentecost was a day of Jewish celebration. It was a Jewish observance. It literally means 50. Pentecost was 50 days after the first Sunday following the Passover. It was the end of and it was part of the Feast of First Fruits. And so it is a Jewish celebration, a Jewish observance. It is the end of, and it is part of the Jewish celebration of First Fruits. And the Bible says they were all together. I believe the 120 on this day of Pentecost. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The verse says suddenly. That, that literally translates quickly, unexpectedly. They're together. It's the day of Pentecost. They're in this house. And coming from heaven, suddenly, unexpectedly, it says there is a noise like a rushing wind, a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house. Now, I want you to get the picture here. I want you to see this. They're, they're sitting in this house, and there is this roar. There is this, this violent roar that comes, and it fills the entirety of the house. It says, like a wind. Now, notice here, it doesn't say it was a wind. It says it was like a wind. Now, the only way evidently to describe it, or maybe the best way to describe it, was like the roar of a wind. It's an awesome thing. It's a terrifying thing. It was a violent thing there in the room. I was thinking about this. I remember as a kid, we were on my porch one spring afternoon, and there was a tornado coming, and we were outside watching it. That's what you do out in the country. And the sirens we could hear in the distance blowing in town, and we're standing there. My dad was there. And this, this tornado came, and it actually hit part of these peanut barns about a half mile from my house. But I can remember there was, there was a sound like we had never heard. In fact, you could feel it in your bones. There was the roar of this, this wind, and it got up, and at first it was quiet, and then it was all-consuming, and then we went and got inside a closet, first time ever. Well, the only way they can describe it is there is a violent rushing wind. We're sitting in the room and there's a violent roar of a rushing wind. Verse three. 
And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. Now, it very quickly becomes a crazy event. Now, we read this, and we've maybe read it several times, and so it loses some of its edge. Listen, this is an, this is an, an, an astounding, crazy event. They hear this roar like a wind in the room, and now they see tongues as of fire. Now, it doesn't say they are fire. It says as of fire, and they are distributing themselves, resting on each of them. Now, I, I, I don't want you to miss this. This is a radical thing. This is a wild thing when the Holy Spirit comes. They hear the roar and they, they see these tongues as a fire and they're resting on each of them. A, a wild event. Verse four, first part of the verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Here they are, and all of the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, <laughs> there's almost, in fact, there is too much stuff to look at in this verse. There's too much to look at in the Holy Spirit. There's too much to look at in what's going on. There's too much to, to see here already in our verses, but I'm going to take a run at some of it. First thing we need to see is this, and be very sure of this. Hear this. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God because believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want you to listen to each word of that's very important. Hear that very carefully. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God because believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. Of God. I want you to be very clear today. The church is a supernatural thing. It is not normal. It is not explainable. It is not containable. It is not a natural thing. Sometimes we act like, well, we run this like a corporation or it's like a, a club somehow. Listen, the church is a supernatural thing. It is not a normal thing. Today, False teaching on the Holy Spirit, and I'll just tell you this, there's a whole bunch of it. Today, false teaching on the Holy Spirit has made us, and I'll just tell you, I believe this, has made us scared to say today that the church of Jesus Christ is to be Spirit-filled, and the church of Jesus Christ is to be Spirit-led. And the church of Jesus Christ is to be spirit-empowered. And the church of Jesus Christ is a radically supernatural thing. Listen, we shouldn't be scared to say that. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and the church is a radically supernatural thing. People say to me, and they have, and people say about me, Oh, you Baptist. You ever heard any sentence that starts with that? There's a couple of directions that could go. <laughs> oh, you Baptist. You Baptist. You love the Word of God, but you're not in tune with the Spirit of God. 
I've had people tell me that. I've had people say that about this church. Oh, you love the Word of God. You're real big on the Word of God, but you're not too keen on the Spirit of God. Well, let me just tell you, fooey on that. That's ridiculous. Let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit of God empowers the church. And I've seen it. I've seen it in lives that have been radically changed, lives that we had written off as gone. I've seen people pass from death unto life. I've seen eternities that are changed. I've seen the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen his leadership in the church. And all of it was due to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God in the church. The church is a supernatural thing. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit is God himself. He is part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fully God, part of the Trinity. Hard to understand. That is the biblical reality. That is the truth. Believers on this day were filled with God himself, the Holy Spirit of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I, I don't know. The tongues and the wind, that's tremendous. That's, that's unfathomable. But listen, believers were filled with God himself on this day. When we are saved, the same happens to us. The Bible's very clear in that. When we're saved, the same happens to us. Now, I, I want to show you two things about that. Two truths about that. Now, we're going we're to talk a lot about these things as we move through the book of Acts. We're going to come to the Holy Spirit several times as we move through the book of Acts. But the, a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to show you two things as we start this process, two things about that. The first is this. Be sure and understand, you cannot divide the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, that sounds kind of crazy. I want you to hear what I'm saying. You cannot divide the Holy Spirit. He is an individual, just like Jesus is an individual. And we receive the totality of Jesus. We receive all of Jesus, not part of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, He is an individual. And when you receive the Holy Spirit as an individual, you receive all of Him. One of the false teachings today is that you receive Him in installments. Or you receive your salvation and then your Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes at a later time. Or you receive Him in pieces. And maybe some event, maybe when I got saved, I received a third of the Holy Spirit, but some other time, maybe in some experience somewhere, I'll receive more of the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to keep praying and doing some things and receive more of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that is not biblical. You cannot divide the Holy Spirit. And so when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive all of the Holy Spirit. We don't go around looking for more of something we have all of. Second thing is this, and this is important as well. He wasn't, I like this, he wasn't just for some, he was for all. Woo, that's, that's a big thing. He wasn't just received by some. It wasn't just, hey, here's the 12 apostles, the rest of y'all, maybe something else will happen for y'all. It wasn't just for some, it was for all. It wasn't just for the spiritually elite. It wasn't just for some spiritual upper class. Oh, look at, their, look at them over there. He was, verse three, 
The tongues rested, what does it say? On all of them, verse four, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. He is for all of believers. I'm gonna tell you a story, it's a true story. A friend of mine, I went to college with him 60 or 70 years ago, it seems like. He, he lives in a different town. We ran around some in, in college. He goes to this different town. And he got saved. And I believe he actually did. He got saved. He went to a meeting of a church. He heard the good news of Jesus Christ. He realized he was a sinner. His only hope was in Christ. And he got saved. I believed him. He called me up and he was excited. He got saved. And he started to go to this church. And the church said he didn't demonstrate that he possessed the Holy Spirit. This is what they said to him. And that that would be evidenced in the speaking of tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you do not possess the Holy Spirit. If you do not possess the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. And you haven't exhibited that to us as a church. And so they said, you have one year to exhibit the Holy Spirit, to speak in tongues. True story. And they actually had some Wednesday night classes on how to speak in tongues. Evidently, some other folks were having a hard time as well. And they tried to help him. It got close to the year. Oh, my lands. And they were worried about him. He hadn't exhibited the, the possession of the Holy Spirit. And so they tried to help him. And they literally made chairs around him. And they sang and they sang. And then they started speaking in tongues because maybe that would inspire him. And they rubbed his mouth. They encouraged the loosening of his mouth. Oh, that God would fill him. And that's what they were looking for. And he never did it. True story. They put him out of their church. Do you know how dangerous that is? Listen, friend, do you know how dangerous that is? Oh, well, we have this interpretation. Listen, listen to me. Do you understand how dangerous that is? Do you know what friend my church attends now? No church. Do you know where his Christian walks at now? It's ended. It's stalled out. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. He wasn't good enough. His sin was too big. He was too terrible. God didn't want him. And so he walked away and he's never come back. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes when we are saved. The totality of the Holy Spirit comes when we are saved. And he indwells all believers when they are saved. That is what the Bible says. God, show grace to my friend. God, please show him mercy. Somewhere put an influence that will show him the truth of the gospel. Christ came for him as well. Let me show you something here before we move on. And it's kind of deep, so stay awake for just a second. This is awesome. On the day of the celebration of first fruits, Pentecost, that's what that was. The day of the celebration of first fruits. These believers received the first fruit of their inheritance as Christians. I want you, I want you to see with me, follow with me. When they believed, now us as well, when they believed, they were forgiven. When they believed, they were redeemed. 
When they believed they were restored, no work they had to go back and do. When they believed they were saved and it was finished in Christ, he saves to the utmost. But when they believed, they also received, the Bible says, an inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're adopted as sons and daughters, and we have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Listen, our inheritance includes eternal life with Jesus We have eternal life now, but there's going to be a day that's going to be in the presence of Jesus himself. We have an inheritance, and it's a sinless existence in heaven. No sin, no stain of sin, no monument of sin. Sin is forever dealt with, forever removed. That is our inheritance. What a day that shall be. But the first fruit of that inheritance was the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you see how marvelous that is? Ephesians 1.13 says, we are, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of our redemption. The very first piece of that inheritance, the very first fruit of that inheritance, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's awesome. First piece of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit that we receive. So that's what happened. Now here's the result. Let's read the rest of verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. What happened when they received the Holy Spirit? Here's what happened. They spoke in tongues. Now, I'm going to be very honest as we move through this whole thing. Because of false teaching and false teachers, people have become scared to talk about this verse. You might be in a Baptist church and they might end at the first half of verse 4 and move on somewhere else and praise God for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the verse says they spoke in tongues. And so we're going to see what the verses say. The word here for tongues translates Languages. Now I want you to listen. Translates language. The original language, it means languages. Understandable, knowable, known languages. And so it wasn't an unknown language. It was a known language. The, the word here, as it translates, and we're going to see it played out, it wasn't gibberish. It wasn't ecstatic speech. It wasn't hysteria. It wasn't the making of just sounds. It was a, an understandable language. That's what it translates, an understandable language. They were speaking known languages. They were actually speaking known languages. The Bible says as the Holy Spirit was giving them utterance. They didn't go to, to class and learn these languages. They hadn't traveled around with somebody and picked up these languages. They were speaking known languages as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Now see how this plays out. Verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem Devout men from every nation under heaven. Now, they could have been, some of these folks could have been Jews from other nations that were there for the celebration. They were there for the observance of Pentecost. And I'm sure there were some that were there. And sometimes I hear preachers say, well, they had come back for the celebration. Uh, I believe that could be true. 
But I believe most of these, most likely, were Jews that had been dispersed, that had been scattered at a previous time, had been born somewhere else and raised somewhere else, but now they had moved back to Jerusalem. Now, some could have come for the event, but I believe these folks had grown up somewhere else, and now they had come back to Jerusalem. Verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them, listen to this, was hearing them speak in his own language. See this, they, they hear this sound, they, they hear this commotion, the mighty rushing wind, and it's a crazy sound, and so they begin to turn their attention to the sound, and they're drawn to the sound, and they assemble, and the crowd starts to gather, and the weirdest thing, as the crowd assembles, they start to hear somebody speaking in their own language. I, I, I sit there and try to picture that. Can you imagine that? Maybe that wasn't the language they'd heard since they'd left home. Maybe they hadn't heard that language in years. Maybe they'd even start to, to forget some of the words as they had become accustomed to the, to the language there. And, they, and as they come to the crowd, they, they don't know what they're going to find, but they hear somebody speaking in their language. And you know what? My friend's from somewhere else, and he hears someone in his language. And you know what? My neighbor over there, they came from another part of Egypt, and they hear somebody in their language. Familiar languages, actual languages. Verse 7. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these speaking Galileans? How huge is this? They're amazed. They're astonished. They're blown away. Hold, hold on. I, I hear my, my native tongue. Hold on. I hear the language my dad used to speak to me. Hold on. Who's speaking? These folks are from Galilee. They're blown away. They're amazed. Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Literally from all over. Let me read verse 9. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Verse 10, Phyrogyra, Familia, Egypt, and districts of Libya, around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, and both Jews and proselytes. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. We hear them literally from every place all over the globe, all over the area. They're there, and they hear them. We hear them in our own tongues. Remember verse 4 said languages. We hear them in our own languages Speaking the mighty deeds of God. Now see the miracle here. They didn't know the language of the Medes. They didn't know the languages, the dialects from the parts of Asia. They didn't know the, the languages that the several people in Egypt, Egypt would have spoken. They didn't know the language of Libya and, and Cyrene. And yet they are speaking in those languages and they are hearing in those languages. What in the world can you imagine that? Verse 12, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? What can this mean? What does this mean? What's going on? Notice this. 
These that are hearing, verse 5, are not believers. These that are hearing, verse 5, they're Jews. They were devout Jews. These that are hearing are not believers. They were natural born Jews. Some of them had converted to Judaism, proselytes, but these are Jews. They're not believers. And so those that are hearing the language in their own tongue, they're not believers. Now, what are they hearing? It says they're hearing of the mighty deeds of God. Remember in, in 1 Corinthians, it says tongues is not a sign for believers. Paul's explaining it, but it is a sign for the lost. And so now the lost are hearing of the power of God, the mighty deeds of God. Do you see what just happened here? God has indwelt his people. God has empowered for the first time his church and believers filled with the Holy Spirit of God are speaking forth of the mighty deeds of God to the lost. Do you see what's happened? Empowered by God, the message, the good news of God is going out to a lost world. Don't miss that. Friends, listen to me today. This is what we do. Nothing has changed. Listen today. See what's happened here. God fills us. God empowers us. And we still stand in a lost world. And we still declare the mighty deeds of God. We tell them of a Savior that loves us. We tell them of a Savior that came for us. We tell them of a Savior that died for our sins, who took our shame. We bear it no more. He took it to the cross. He removed our guilt. We tell them of a Savior who is dead as the payment for sin. And yet he lives again and he lives in victory, and he lives in power. And we tell him, you know what? There's hope in Jesus and hope for him alone. And the message is empowered by God himself. That's what this is about. Listen, the church is empowered to spread the good news of the mighty deeds of God to a lost world. That is what happened then. That is what is to happen now. The church is empowered to spread the good news of the mighty deeds of God, our Savior Jesus, to a lost and dying world. Do you believe that? Really? Do you believe that? So the question still is this. So how do you see the church? Really, that's, that's still the question. So how do you see the church? Is that how you see the church? Or do you see it as a, as a place to come and, and come to a little Bible study? Well, I need a little bit of a Bible study. I'll go there for a, for a little Bible study. Or do you see the church as a place to come and I'll, I'll come and do some, some, some things with some folks and have a little fellowship. You know what, it's kind of lonely out there. I'll come and, and have, a, have a good time. Or do you see the church as a place where I can come and, and check off my list of things I gotta get done. I've got this on Monday and this on Tuesday, but brother, look what I did two times on Sunday. Or do you see the church as the empowerment of God to spread the good news to a lost and dying world. How do you see the church? Verse 13. But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Crazy verse. But others 
were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Even hearing that, even seeing that, they laughed it off. There is a roar as of a mighty rushing wind. There there are these signs, and then these folks are speaking in my own language, a powerful demonstration of God. Even in all of that, can you imagine? They laughed it off, and they said, these folks are drunk, and they laughed it off. How do you see the church? Wouldn't we give it a higher priority if we saw it like this? I'm being honest. Wouldn't we commit to a greater extent if we saw it like this? The church is empowered by God to spread the good news to a lost world. How do you see the church? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm so thankful for your truth. And Lord, I'm thankful for your empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that you were wise and smart, and you knew that you weren't going to leave us as orphans, is what you said. You told us it would be greater for the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and indwell us, to seal us, to finish us for the day of redemption, but also to give us boldness and wisdom in these days. Lord, I I pray that we would understand that, that we are part of a supernatural thing as part of the church. The Holy Spirit of God leads us and directs us and guides us and empowers us. And it's a supernatural thing. And Lord, I I pray that we become apathetic and think that we could run this thing like a corporation or we could act like it's a a normal, natural thing that, Lord, we we would be convicted. It is a supernatural thing. Lord, help us to see your church as your church truly is. And then, Lord, I pray the fruit of that is we would commit to it, that we would prioritize it, Lord, that we would serve it, and that a lost and dying world once again would hear the mighty deeds of Jesus Christ and a Holy Spirit-empowered church. Lord, make us that church. Lord, use us as that church. Lord, forgive us where we've been off track. Forgive us where we get a poor set of eyes. Forgive us where we've embraced a different model, but God, don't just leave us there. Change us, empower us, use us, be glorified through us. Lord, I thank you for your truth. Pray that it's had its impact. Pray that it continues to impact it. Pray, Lord, that the the main thing is the good news of the gospel goes out. Even in this hour, Lord, move in that manner. We praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.